So we now have the short of it. <laughs> I remember that the last time that uh, I preached and uh, James, James was leading, the same thing happened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah the short of it. Well, there you are. That's life, isn't it? Have we got the zapper here somewhere? Ah, yeah. oh, there it is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as James has already prayed, we, we pray that you will speak to each one of us at our point of need, that we will know that you're speaking to us and that what we hear through your word may bless us. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Now the journey, oh dear, let's go back. The journey that um, Joseph and Mary took from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem that was brought about by the census from the uh, Roman authorities would most likely go via Samaria and Jerusalem. I think you can probably see that on the map that's up there. It's about 80 miles in all. All oh, right. Okay. Yes, and I'm not that tall, am I? That's a trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it probably took about, it was probably about 80 miles, uh, the journey in all. And it would have taken about, about four days. Although Mary, if she wasn't feeling too well in her pregnancy, uh, it would have more likely taken up to a week. Most of the Christmas uh, pictures that we see on Christmas cards and the like depict Mary riding on a donkey with Joseph uh, leading, uh, leading them and standing or walking beside them. In fact, the Bible doesn't mention a donkey at all. They probably would have simply walked. Simply walked. Imagine that in, in Mary's, Mary's condition. It's most likely that uh, Mary and Joseph would have travelled in a group, perhaps along with other members of the family and, and friends, shielding them together from the uh, robbers and ne'er-do-wells that uh, lurked along the way, which was quite a possible threat uh, in those days. This journey for Mary was no, no casual affair. And... Uh, more so because of the message that the angel had brought her, that the child she was to give birth to was to be called the Son of the Most High. And more than that, he will be called, the Lord will give him a name of his, sorry, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. What an awesome prospect. An awesome prospect for this, this young girl, this young girl Mary. I think in a week's time we'll be looking uh, to Joseph and Mary's actual, actual physical journey, journey. But what I want us to look at this morning and, and consider, and indeed even see that Mary was uh, going to be travelling 
in her mind as well and in her imagination, what would be going on in her mind and in her heart. In traditional uh, Catholic doctrine, Mary is seen as the mother of the church and indeed even in some cases the mother, mother of God. Doctrines the Protestant and evangelical theologians describe and I quote from, from one particular article as a classic example of the bad development of doctrine, of the way in which unscriptural, if not pagan, devotional practices can become dogmas. They can be seen as a striking proof of the need to test all doctrine by scripture and of the dangers of making ecclesiastical tradition infallible. Making ecclesiastical tradition infallible. Perhaps I should add to that we should be careful not to make our own Baptist traditions infallible. The need to test all doctrine by scripture. I ought to say, incidentally, before I go any further, that the, the lovely pictures that you're going to see and have seen already are the work of Trudy. She does such a fantastic job. Whenever I, I uh, go to Trudy and say, this is what I'm talking about and these are the slides I want to show, and uh, she sort of turns them into beautiful pictures. At least I think so. I think we all do, don't we? There's an interesting and, and sobering passage in Jeremiah, always someone who can be quite severe, who doesn't, doesn't mince his words, does he? Jeremiah. And he says this in chapter 7 of his book. Do you notice what they are doing in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make cakes of bread for the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. But am I the one they are provoking, declares the Lord? Are they not rather harming themselves to their own shame? Are they not rather harming themselves? to their own shame. A reminder there for all of us of the danger of veering away or even adding to what the Bible, to what scripture, God's word actually says. The damage that it does to ourselves. You know we do well to hearken to the words of Paul writing to Timothy. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus. Or to use the New Living Translation of, the, of that uh, verse, there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. But back to Mary. You know, her journey of realisation couldn't have been that easy for her. After all, in a, in a human sense, she was to become a mother. A mother with all the emotional ties that that meant towards her son. I wonder how she felt uh, some years later on that return journey from the Passover feast in Jerusalem when they had to go back for their 12-year-old son who was missing, where they found him discussing with the religious teachers and asking them questions. When Jesus said to his parents, 
Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? You know, it must have seemed like a a mild rebuke uh, to his parents. Then there was that wedding feast at Cana in Galilee where the wine ran out. Quite an embarrassment for for the hosts at the time. And at that time, Mary's growing understanding of who Jesus was was apparent when she directed the stewards to her son. And miraculously, he turned the water into wine. You know, I've always seen that event uh, as illustrating our Lord's interest and concern for the everyday things of life. A bit like the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. Mary's journey of understanding towards Jesus was clearly, was clearly growing. It's worth noting also how Joseph reacted. Imagine, they were an engaged couple. The baby she was expecting was nothing to do with Joseph. How would he react? How would he respond to the quizzical looks and gossip of their neighbours and their friends? Matthew's Gospel tells us, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, it says this, let me read it to you. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Perhaps the most notable moment in Mary's journey came when she stood by the cross as Jesus died and where she heard her son tell her that that, uh, John, the disciple Jesus loved, was to bring her into his family. John's Gospel records this. Near to the cross, Jesus uh, stood, his mother, near to the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son, and the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And I wonder if at that moment, standing by the cross with all the drama that surrounded it, seeing her son in agony, you know, I wonder if that moment, being an Orthodox Jew, knowing Uh, the Old Testament scriptures, she would have pondered on those words of Isaiah, that Jesus, her son, was indeed the Messiah, being despised and rejected. 
being pierced for our transgressions, having the Lord God laying on him the iniquity of us all. I know it's conjecture to say that, but if such thoughts were going through her mind, and if not at the actual time, but later on when she thought back about it, what an emotional journey, an emotional journey that would have been for Mary. The first mention of Mary is in the account of the Annunciation, recorded again in, back in Luke chapter 1. And the last mention of her sees her in Acts chapter 1, in the company of the disciples, after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. There we read that they were all together, devoted, devoted in prayer. And in between those events, so much had happened. What a journey for Jesus' mother. Now what can we learn from this to take into our own walk and journey with our Lord? After all, Mary herself wasn't divine. She was a human being. Well, perhaps more than anything is the godly character of Mary, her humility, her unerring faithfulness, her growing realisation and acknowledgement of who Jesus was, our Saviour, who was both human and divine. One or two people here have worshipped at HHB for many years. We no doubt remember Dermot and Anne MacDonald. Dermot and Anne MacDonald. Dermot was our first moderator in the early days of the church. He was a highly regarded evangelical theologian, Dr. H.D. MacDonald, vice principal of the London Bible College, that's now known as the London School of Theology. He taught both in the UK and, and in America. And he also wrote numerous books. One was entitled Jesus, Human and Divine. I'm sure you can still get it. If you can, I'd certainly recommend it. It's a, it's a great book. Let me read to you the closing comments in his book. Jesus Christ is ultimate. There is none before him, naught beyond him and nothing without him, other than Jesus will not do, less than Jesus will not suit, more than Jesus is not possible, more than all in him we find. Everything in God is to be found in him, and little of God is to be found apart from him. You know, Mary's journey led her to such a realisation. There's, there's no escaping that truth. Let all of us ensure that when we stand before God in the fullness of time, that that truth will have been taken on board and cemented in our own lives, in our own spiritual, spiritual journeys. It struck me that whilst uh, the call that Mary received and the journey that she would travel on is unique, God often calls us to go on a journey with him. Maybe an unexpected, even, even a scary journey of service for him. If and when we hear such a call, you know, don't let's push it to one side. Don't let's, don't let's ignore it. But trust that the Lord who makes the call will equip us to be able to follow in obedience. As someone once told me, 
Such a call may start off as simply a hunch, but often persists until it becomes a, a driving compulsion for service for our Lord. There's a story of a man who had an accident while he was at a cinema. I'm not sure whether it's a true story or an apocryphal story, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Suddenly there was a, a loud bang and the sound of someone groaning. They stopped the film, put up the lights, and uh, several people, including the manager, rushed to see what had happened, to find this poor man laying across one of the seats, obviously, obviously in agony. An ambulance was, was called and the medics arrived. One of them obviously wanted to know where this man lived and what family or friends they needed to contact. So they asked this man where he'd come from. From the balcony, he replied. <laughs> of course, of course, more importantly, really, was uh, where was this poor man going? Hopefully off to hospital to be treated uh, and made better. Now, why am I telling you this rather silly story? Well, you know, we could well ask ourselves the same questions. Where have we come from? Where have we come from? Each of us may have come from different, different backgrounds. Each of us have different life journeys. But you know, perhaps the most important question we could ask ourselves is where are we going to? Where are we going to? Let's make sure that we can take for ourselves the comfort of Jesus' words. Don't let your heart be troubled. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Or to use a corollary, you know the right journey to travel. You know the right journey to travel. As that old cliche puts it, that really is the heart of the matter. Or as someone has uh, reassembled that phrase, really that's the matter of the heart. As I was preparing for this morning, something struck me. One notable and very significant feature of Mary's journey was the ease with which God and Mary communicated with each other. The times of communication seem to be always open. You know, how can we ensure that the lines of communication with our Heavenly Father are always open? Well, surely it's by emerging ourselves, in immersing ourselves in God's Word and devoting ourselves in prayer like Mary and the disciples, both privately and collectively. Mary knew the way she was going. She knew the journey she was on. I wonder, do you know the journey that you are on? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing lady, Mary. Um, she was such a humble lady, uh, so faithful to you, and 
she brought for us through the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for her. But perhaps more than anything else, we thank you for her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he means to us and what he can mean for each one of us. So, dear Lord, we pray that your word may remain in our hearts and that we may serve our time worshipping you in all that we do, even in the everyday things of life. For we ask it in our Saviour's name. Amen.